Well, thanks to the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, the church has named this final Sunday of the season Transfiguration Sunday. Or as the Greek Orthodox call it, and I think this is so cool, the metamorphosis. <laughs> Thanks to Matthew and Mark, we get these strange, wonderful, science fiction-y words to describe what happens to Jesus on the mountaintop. But where Matthew and Mark say Jesus' face was transfigured or metamorphosed, Luke says simply his face altered. Luke says his face became something other. Put simply and put more simply than Matthew and Mark, Luke says Jesus' face changed. The word change may be the most dreaded word of all, especially for congregations. Congregations do not like change. But we shouldn't take this personally. Uh, an even more basic way of saying this is that people do not like change. Period. Harvard, psychologi uh, sorry, Harvard physiologist Walter Cannon taught us the terms fight or flight response and homeostasis. We like homeostasis. The steady condition of our physical existence. All of our internal systems are working uh, seamlessly, harmoniously, balanced. But introduce change, and the very chemical makeup of our internal organs alters in order to help us discern threat. Change threatens. Change is disruptive. Change alters the calculus. Change brings us face-to-face -face with the unexpected. Change changes things. Inasmuch as congregations are made of people, and congregations have a way of concentrating both people's hopes and people's fears, congregations are especially afraid of change. Case in point, the congregation witnessing the transfiguration. It's a small congregation, but where two or more are gathered, Peter, James, and John go to church today. And when Jesus' face changes, Peter reacts in such a way that Luke looks at the reader right in the middle of the story and almost winks at us and says, Peter didn't know what he was talking about. He was just saying stuff. He didn't know. Then a cloud overwhelms their little church. And there on the mountain, uh, Luke says they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And finally, Luke tells us that when this bizarre and frightening episode concluded, they kept silent. They didn't say a word to anyone, not even to the other disciples. And you know they were itching to tell somebody, but they were so scared. I can't believe they didn't go out in the church parking lot and say something. Jesus changed. Jesus changed before them. His face altered. In a flash, they saw Jesus become someone, something, other. In a flash, they 
They saw this, this happen right before their eyes. They witnessed Jesus become someone other than they expected. Even though this supernatural event left them terrified and petrified, the transfiguration nevertheless is consistent with Jesus being revealed as someone other than everyone expected. Even John the Baptist didn't expect Jesus to act like he did. John sent two of his disciples. You may remember this story. John just fully expected Jesus to be the Messiah. He, he baptized Jesus. He preached Jesus. He sees Jesus in action. Then he sends two disciples to go check on him. And John's disciples come and say, now, now wait a minute, are you the one that is to come? Or are we supposed to wait for someone else? In other words, Jesus, we weren't expecting the Messiah to be like you. You're changing what we thought to expect. Then Jesus invites John's disciples and everyone at church that day to change their expectations about God. Go and tell John what you've seen and heard, he says. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Blessed is anyone who can change their mind about who God is and what God is doing. We're living through an age today, an age of change, one that could rival any in human history. And about the last thing I could have expected any of you to hope for coming to church today is an emphasis on the word change. You, you know, we could all use some good old homeostasis right about now. Of all the stasises, homeostasis is my favorite. It's the best stasis. But not according to a recent psychological study, which says that the good life, the good life is not necessarily a happy life or even a meaningful life, but a life composed of, quote, psychological, psychologically rich experiences. And the disciples look at us now from across the text and say, yeah, we've got some of those. Look at the person pursuing pleasure, stability, enjoyment. You probably have a person living a happy life. Look at the person pursuing virtue, purpose, service, and you probably have a person living a, a meaningful life. But look at the disciples in their terror and their speechlessness and tell me they are not in the midst of a psychologically rich experience. By following Jesus, they have embarked not necessarily on a happy life or even a meaningful life in the conventional sense, but they have left no doubt about living a good and rich life full of experiences that wow and stun and disorient and stupefy and amaze them. And all because they kept following the Son of God who keeps changing them. And keeps undermining their expectations and turning their worlds upside down.
No one expected any of this. No one expected Jesus. No one expected God to be born of a virgin. No one expected the Spirit to descend on Jesus, freshly baptized like a wild dove. When the disciples had been fishing all night and had caught nothing, and Jesus asked them to put out in the deep water, and they all sigh and shrug and shuffle back to the boat and get in and go out in the deep water. No one expected to catch any fish, let alone so many fish, that the boats began to sink. And when they were traveling through the towns of Galilee together, and they happened upon a man with leprosy, and he begged Jesus to make him clean, no one expected Jesus to say, be made clean. And furthermore, no one expected him when Jesus said, be made clean, to be made to be clean, and especially not in that moment. And even more, no one expected Jesus preaching by the sea to people one day who had borne more than their fair share of enemies to say to all of them, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And by the way, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, Turn the other also. When he gets out to the gate of Nain, the town of Nain, and the widow is following the, the funeral procession of her only son, and just as they're walking out of the gate of town, Jesus meets them. No one expects him. The disciples. The people in the procession, no one expects Jesus to walk up to the bier and put his hand on it and stop the pallbearers in their tracks. And furthermore, no one expects Jesus to say to the dead man, rise up. And no one expected him to rise up, but he did. And when the women approach Jesus' grave on the third day, they do not expect to see the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they certainly did not expect to see two men in clothes just as dazzling white as Jesus' clothes are today. And they did not expect those men, furthermore, to ask them the question, why do you seek the living among the dead? And after these things, when the disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and begin discussing the events of the previous days, they certainly did not expect to discover that they had just been walking with the risen Jesus, but that's what happens when they break the bread. His face shines out at them, and they recognize him, and then he's gone. And none of the disciples expected that when they went up on the mountain to church today, and Jesus looked up from his prayers, that his very face would change. But there is the Jesus that none of us ever expected. The Jesus whose changing face changes everything we thought about God. Those who work with the dying have the experience to be able to tell us something about how they change. In their last days, it's very common for the coloring in the face to change. 
something about their face loses color. They become gray. I'm wondering if this is part of what so stunned the disciples is when they looked up at Jesus' changing face, at first it was gray. It was graying as though he were dead. And, at, and after all, he had just been speaking with Moses about his exodus and Elijah about his departure. Did they see his face turning gray? And then, just as soon as it did, did they see the color coming back into it? And then, just as soon as the color came back, did they see him a glimpse of his resurrection, his risen state, his heavenly body? I don't know. But something happened in his changing face that terrified and stupefied and amazed them. And we are nothing if not a congregation attached to the body of this one transfigured and to the body of the one who transfigures. Have we considered that during this epochal time of disorientation and change, that we too have lost our color and are yet gaining it again and being changed evermore into the likeness of this Jesus who lives that we may no more die. No death, no resurrection, no change, no new creation, no transfiguration, no glimpse of it all in the present life we now live. I note that what brings all this story about is Jesus bowing his head to pray. Let us pray. Jesus, let us in your life, death, and resurrection shine as you shine today. Amen.